It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Jets recap episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Today, I'm here, I'm John, with my boy Alex, and boy, did we have a hell of a Jets draft weekend, and really with a bunch of teams, a bunch of players that we've been talking about all offseason, all college football season. The draft never disappoints. I know, Alex, we were talking earlier about how I said it was my favorite day, and we were, we kind of got into that quick debate about NBA free agency versus NFL draft. NFL draft wins, man. I love the NFL draft. It's so exhilarating with all the trades. Everybody, all the teams are involved. You know, free agency is just like one or two teams, maybe, you know, five or six. NFL draft, everybody's wheeling and dealing. Ah, oh, my adrenaline is... Is going even though it's midnight after the Knicks just won that Grizzlies game. I'm I'm ready to go right now, Alex. How are you doing, man? What's good, John? Oh my goodness gracious. I don't even know what to think, man. First of all, the Jets did a phenomenal job through this draft. Joe Douglas was just on point. I know we haven't seen any of these players play, but the way that he maneuvered the draft was very It was succinct. It was well thought out. They had a plan, and the plan was let's get our quarterback that we just got some weapons to really make this thing go. And they took care of the secondary, uh, you know, for for the defense as well, adding some uh, cornerbacks, some safeties. Um, It was a really good draft. And then on top of that, you bring up the New York Knicks, who we just watched just dominate against the Memphis Grizzlies today. It's just, I don't even, I'm just giddy, man. Knicks are, <laughs> yeah. what is it? Knicks are, I think Knicks are 12 out of the last 13. That's insane. Uh, I don't even know. Uh, I, I I don't even, I honestly, I have goodness, no idea. <laughs> thank goodness they have a loss in there because we would be unsufferable. Oh, dude. We're a little insufferable, sorry. I'm, uh, hell, I'm still going to be insufferable. The, you're telling me the New York Knicks won 12 of the last 13 games. And on top of that, on top of that, John, ESPN, ESPN today, today, we have, they're in the top 10 power rankings. Knicks wow. are number eight in the top 10 power rankings from I ESPN. I didn't see that, actually. That, that is pretty wild. And you, you know, you know what's, you know what's funny to tie that back into the Jets? I was just saying today to the New York Daily News writer, DJ, that the, this, you know, 2021 Jets team is kind of giving me somewhere in between New York Knicks 2021 vibes. And I know I said that to you too, and he told me to slow my roll, which I agree with. That would be the ceiling. And on the other side of the spectrum, they're kind of giving me 2019 Miami Dolphins vibes with Brian Flores. And they, you know, they got, they had that five win season, but they were gritty. They started off terribly. So hopefully we don't start off like that. But they, it's just somewhere in between there. And I mean, I, I don't want to jump the gun and I know we're about to get into the, the whole, you know, the, the draft recap, but I'm taking the over on that seven wins right now as we're looking at it. They just like, you know, you alluded to with the whole ESPN with the Knicks 22 wins. Like 
I'm, I really like that over. Just as we're sitting here on Tuesday, May 4th, may the 4th be with you. Like, <laughs> that's just, that's just how I, how I'm feeling about it. I like how you worked that Star Wars reference in here. I really appreciate it. <laughs> funny enough, funny enough. Um, so my fiance, she, she only saw a new hope when she was young. I don't know about you, but I saw the original three by the time I was in third or fourth grade. And then when all the, you know, the prequel, the, the prequel one, two and three came out, like Return of the Sith, you know, all that came out. I saw that. And then I just caught up with all the new ones waiting for the new ones to come out on Disney Plus. But for my fiance, she's never seen any of them outside of the New Hope. So we watched all of them. So now every time she sees a TV show or she is just in a conference through work, she now hears all these Star Wars references and she's like, Oh, I know where that's from. And it's just, it's, it's just great. Just a little, just a little tangent, but no, with you, John, to get back to the New York Jets. Yeah, 2019 vibes I could kind of get behind for the New York Jets because new head coach from a good program, right? Top of that, we're seeing this new front office after a terrible head coach, funny enough, the same head coach, Adam Gase, now gone. <laughs> yeah, it's and the now, after Gase effect. And now we have another leader of men like the Miami Dolphins have. They have floors. We got Salah. So we're heading in that direction. You know, they got a new quarterback in Tua this season. So it's different because we're starting with a new quarterback in Wilson this season. So it was there. So there's, but there's similarity. So I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And let's see, man, you know, I what's, let's just get into this. Let's get into it right now. The New York Jets draft, man. Ah, I'm ready. First of all, before I start off on this, for all you who are wondering why we're coming out so we want to make sure that we got every round. It would have just been right just to do a, a reaction without the full encompass because we could have been super high or super low. As you know how we all feel about Zach Wilson, we're still trepidatious about him. We're excited, but we're a little trepidatious based on uh, the hype. But with everything that we just saw, how everything unfolded, man. Like I said, he's taking care of the. Uh, we're taking care of the offense for Zach Wilson for him to come in. So, I like what I saw. So we just had to wait just to see everything else to give like a full holistic view of this. And to tell you, I was really excited from who they drafted. R- really, just excited. I think one of my favorite picks is uh, I'll say two picks: Elijah Moore and Michael Carter. I'm really excited about those two players. You know. Like I, I'm really excited about those two players, but John, what do you think? Okay, I, you're going to lead okay, the way. We'll get, so. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get, yeah, we, we can get, we can get into all of it. I mean, first of all, getting come walking into this draft, we had ten picks, and after all the madness, we left with ten picks, but they ended up just being in different spots. So we could talk about the first day, and I was actually on live. Uh, with the Fila Atlanta podcast on YouTube for the first maybe 15 or so picks of the first round. Uh, that was a really good time. And I had that rapid reaction uh, right after the full first day uh, with Jared Wright, fellow contributor to the Jet Press. Um, 
and that was posted live and that was a really good time too we 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 got really deep into it now and i agree with you alex i was just as excited but when you look back at it it's even more exciting because you get to see the full picture you get to see what he was really thinking what the staff was really thinking so again at first you're like oh my goodness the Jets traded the th- a third round pick and the first round pick and just to jump up for a guard. What are we doing? It's not a premium position, right? That was the fir- that was the first, you know, dash of criticism that, that came rolling down the way. And just to, to put some perspective on it, that's from Jamal Adams. Don't, like that, that first pick at the end of the first draft, at the end of the first round and that third round pick are literally two picks that are coming from Jamal Adams. Love. <laughs> love. <laughs> yes, I love that. So and just just in hindsight, we got we lost a fourth round pick with Jamal Adams, but we gained one back with Sam Darnold. So I mean that that trade is kind of full circle already, which is pretty awesome. And then when you think about the actual player, because as we as you mentioned, Alex, BYU, Zach Wilson, we've we talked about it a million times. He's in arranged marriage. We'll see what happens. But all we asked for was that we do the opposite of what happened with Sam Darnold. And what we mean by that is we treat the offense as our priority. And that's what happened. Last year, we get Mekhi Becton, the, the absolute wall, left tackle, Louisville. This year, we trade up, premium position. I don't care what anyone says. That's a premium position for us. Left guard. They get Elijah Vera Tucker. Wide zone. I mean, he was he was a top prospect on everybody's board. Whether it was at worst a top 20, that's fine with me. Overall, just player in this draft. So signing me up with those two, that was a beautiful first day. Going to the second day, that's when things were things were dicey. Right. Cause that's when, that's when things start to get interesting and you're like, okay, now we're going to see how everything's going to work out. Everybody's all in their feelings about what they want, what they, the, they think their team needs, projecting all the players that, you know, it was a travesty that dropped. Right. So what were your feelings going into day two? Just at the end of everything. And, and what was really your outlook? What did you want the Jets to do? Yeah. So, well, I just want to echo what you just said with the Elijah Vera Tucker pick. First of all, you were call, you were thinking that before draft day. So, kudos to you. And you knew what happened as soon as we traded. We're like, we're getting Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, and well, because I thought I thought the Vikings should get him. It was a Vikings pick, and I was like, yo, you know what? Vera Tucker should be the draft pick here for the Vikings. And as soon as I saw Vikings trade with Jets, I was like. Oh my goodness! It better be for Elijah Veritaker. I'm going to go absolutely insane right now. I would have lost my mind. And it was. And once again, I'll just echo: go watch John on the the Feeling Network talking draft. He was breaking it down. Man was just reading the board like freaking fortune teller. So definitely go check that out. And definitely go check out uh, John's talk with Jared and the, the react, the rapid reaction. Jared was a former guest on here for those of you who remember. So shout out to Jared and a really good, really good breakdown and reaction t- with John. 
but yeah, to to get into, I just want so yeah, back to the Vera Tucker. Yeah, premium position for us. And I anyone who's complaining on how we got up there to go get it, remember we didn't have a second first rounder, so it didn't make sense to even complain. You know, we're using more yeah. capital to move up. I don't know what we're complaining about. So, and we got, a, we, yeah, it's free money. And we got a position that we really need. We need, we, we saw the guard play. We saw what was happening to Sam Darnold last season. We need somebody who can help protect the interior for our quarterback. The fact that he's probably going to play the left side, our left side is going to be stout now. You know, like we got our Quentin Nelson. Yeah. It's, it's, and Clark, you know, they were talking about that on draft night too. Clark, Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, man, I can't even, I, I can't, I can't because the lines seemingly. The left side is just so solid right now. And McGovern, we know, is a total lock for the center. And then we yep. have George Fant, George Font, however you want to pronounce it. I got some, some slack for that. Um, I think that he's, also going to be solidified as that starter. We'll talk about later in the show. That left side, dude, it's scary. And I don't I don't think that Michael LaFleur is going to shy away from running to the left as Adam Gase was. He had to learn it by like week 11. He was like, oh, maybe we should run to the left now. Yeah, absolutely. But to get to your point about day two, uh, where should I start about it? Where should I start about day two? Because there was because we didn't have a third round pick, we thought we were potentially going to go back into the third round, try to trade to get back up, and so that didn't happen. Obviously, and we waited until the fourth round. And by waiting for the fourth round to go get Michael Carter after we get after we got Elijah Moore in the second round, I like you know you asked me do I do I see us taking a running back. In the first or second round, I said, that makes no sense for us because we were nowhere near ready for that. Fourth round is where I said I would be happy. And we did take someone in the fourth round. I like the energy that Michael Carter brings. He's, uh, he seems to be a diverse back, you know, in, in his skill set. But really what we like to do is have guys through the Michael Four system, right? Based off the Shanahan system, guys that can run out the outside who have speed, who could just get there. And it's, you know, it, I'm, from what I've seen from Carter, he has that ability, the ability to just cut and juke. That's what I like. So I like the way that I like that direction. I like the direction of just getting another wide receiver. You know, it seems like we're going to get rid of Jameson Crowder. I like the fact that we got another running back. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm, 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 I'm gonna, you're going to sign me halt, there. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to halt the brakes there. So. I agree with your Michael Carter take. We'll get into that. That and that's more day three. So going into day two, we had the couple players that were on the mark. You mentioned that we had the running back talk, right? Or whether or no, not. I'm sorry, you're yeah. I'm sorry, you're asking about day two, and I was just thinking second and third round. Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah, you're yeah, excited yeah, about yeah. Michael Carter, dude. That's okay. It's okay. I am too. We're, we're gonna get we're gonna get into it, but you're missing a huge piece of the day because. Uh, we got to talk about Elijah more. We just, we got to yeah. get into it, dude, because he is an, he's a phenom. He's a, he, he's a phenom slot receiver. And I know I'm the first person to tell you when you have just a slot receiver and he's just going to be a slot receiver, he's already limited and it, it's already scary. 
and I'll start with the negatives. In this case, Elijah Moore is kind of short, and that's all people, you know, can get at. And as we'll, and as we'll get into it, you know, you like Michael Carter. He's short too. That's that's basically the weakness on a bunch of these guys is their height. And as we know from a couple of draft picks with San Francisco too, they don't care. They don't care about the height. And in Seattle, I mean, height's not really a thing with these guys. So just getting into the second day, I agree with you. Going into it, because we lost our third-round picks and because we were thinking about third-round picks all throughout the draft process, you know, you and I, and most of, you know, let's call it how it is, you know, Jets Twitter, Jets Media, and, like, we're kind of all, you know, pro football focus and all the outlets that we use. They're all thinking, you know, third round. And so that's where we have our eyes. You know, some guys here and there, like Chester Hat, linebacker for me. I was talking with uh, Deuzable, uh former Jets linebacker, about that live as I was going on um, and how he was good, but he was going to be gone because we lost our third round pick. So, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I was kind of hoping we would trade down from the two and grab a couple, maybe a late two and an early three and kind of recuperate that way. And, you know, to be fair and honest, as soon as soon as Elijah Moore was there, I, I did I had no inkling that the Jets were going to take him. But as soon as they put in that card, I was like, wow, I can't believe that the Jets just got Elijah Moore. And if you don't know Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, he's been an absolute monster. I mean, you, you don't we don't have to talk about A.J. Brown, <laughs> the leading wide receiver for Tennessee. Absolute beast crying <laughs> when he got when. He got dr- when uh, uh, Elijah, Elijah Moore, Moore got, got drafted. drafted. Yeah. <laughs> when Elijah Moore got drafted, saying he was better than him, and he couldn't do the things that he could. And I mean, I'm not. We don't have to go into all that, but I mean, Moore had, was leading college football in yards. He was a fourth among all qualifying receivers for average catches per game. I'm talking like forever, like Devontae Adams, Zay Jones. Some guy I've never heard of that the Jets drafted in 2012, Jordan White, which is so classic. And now Elijah Moore at 10.75. And as, <laughs> as for yards per game, he had 149.1 yards per game, which is the best in the college game over the last dozen years. Literally, dozen years. The last person who was close to that was Justin Blackman, Oklahoma State, who got drafted by the Jaguars in 2010. I mean that was a that was a pretty good year in college for him. He absolutely murdered, and then he had some crazy off the field issues. Elijah Moore is not that guy. It, it's such an unusual pick for us to pick just like the elite receiver, like not at the top five, and trade up for him. You know what I mean? Just like for that guy to fall to us in the bottom is just weird. Like Denzel Mims happened, and then now we have Elijah Moore happening. The guy had a 90 grade versus man coverage for PFF. He only dropped 10 passes out of 200 career catchable targets. And he only dropped two last year. Literally two. 2.3% drop rate. It's unbelievable. 18 forced missed tackles. He's a perfect guy for this system. And as you said it, man, what's so perfect about all of this is that we're just building through the system. Elijah Moore, wide zone, perfect for the system. Vera Tucker, perfect for the system. And then we'll jump into it. Michael Carter, just perfect for the system. Yeah, man. And just to add on to more about Elijah Moore and 
<laughs> once again, sorry for getting ahead of myself and getting to the fourth round, the third day, and not really thinking of a second day uh, for our second round pick. So what, dude, I was watching a little bit of Elijah Moore and just watching some film just of him in going against the corner one-on-one drills. Dude, his route running just is insane. The The ability he has to cut and on a dime and change direction is just jaw-dropping. I really, I don't know the last time the Jets invested in someone like that, you know, like, and to have that in the slot where it's so key to just, you know, in the slot, you're not necessarily running deep routes all the time. A lot of it is short intermediary routes. And when you watch Elijah Moore, you could just see that he has that quick step. He knows how to fake people out to create that separation. And you need to be able to do that within five to 10 yards off the line pretty quickly. This isn't, you know, a wide receiver two situation where we had with Robbie Anderson, someone who could just blow off the top of the defense and just extend the field. That's, that's, you know, one aspect that you need out of your receiving core. And, you know, we're looking to get that from, you know, Corey Davis and, uh, and Denzel Mims, both who are versatile wide receivers. They're not necessarily true burners like Robbie Anderson, but you could get that from them from time to time, right? What Elijah Moore brings is the stuff that you hope could be matched to like Julian Edelman for the New England Patriots. Like Julian Edelman, his route running was so, he was a technician, you know what I mean? And that's what I get out of Elijah Moore. He's a technician. And I like getting guys who are, who love their craft when it comes to getting separation, because that's the, those are the things that get you the yaks, man. Getting, getting that two to three yard separation just on an in route or an out route or slant, you know, those are the, those are the type of things that get you those extra yards. You know, the stuff that we liked about Barrios, just like after the catch type stuff, watching more and even watching some of his game, his film, that's what he can do at such a high level. So I really like the pick. And I'm excited for it because we need that on the Jets. We haven't had that. I don't know who the last guy is that we had that. Like, yes, Jameson Crowder plays a slot, which is the position that Elijah Moore will play. But I don't know the last guy that we had that I could say in the slot that we could rely on on every down basis that could potentially give us that. Yes, I know it sounds like I'm getting ahead of myself because we haven't seen Elijah Moore on the field for the New York Jets and how his game will translate to the NFL. But still, when you're looking at a draft prospect, you're looking at somebody who could take that, that, that type of play and then transfer it to the NFL. That goes for any type of prospect, whether it's basketball, football, baseball. The traits that you see from them is what you hope is baseline at the next level. And then if they can add on to that, that is how you know you, that's when you start hitting out of the park. You know, because the guy has the the right mindset, the 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 work ethic, and all those other soft factors that you need to be successful at the highest level. So overall, with the Elijah Moore pick, I'm happy with it. I'm excited for it. I cannot wait to see him on the field. And you know, based on what Zach Wilson did at BYU and getting it to guys who were able to do that, right? And you obviously know the wide receivers better more than I do. 
Uh, I just like to watch film when it gets to the draft. Zach Wilson was looking for guys who could do that type of stuff. Just get that separation. And Zach Wilson, who could just fit it in through a tight window while he was in college. Hey, if he can do that type of stuff, especially on short routes, which, you know, he showed in college. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. You know, Alex, I'm actually really shocked that you feel this way because especially last year you were – a huge wait and see kind of guy, especially when we're talking about players like Mims. And now you're excited about not only Elijah Moore, which, you know, rightfully so, especially because again, the system, the yak stuff that you said, you know, sixth most, sixth most in missed tackles, fifth most in contested catches with 11. And he only played eight games this year. He opted out for COVID. Um, so I mean, you're, you're right on the money. I'm just, I'm just kind of shocked that you. Are are uh, you know counting him up as a playmaker? I, I think you're right. I'm just I'm just uh, shocked. You think it has something to do with you kind of trusting Joe Douglas and the scouts more? I think that's the thing. More so trusting Joe Douglas and the scouts after, and how he's attacked both drafts two years in a row. He's really done a good job attacking the drafts two years in a row now. Like we can't. It's starting. We're starting to see a pattern, even though in it's Joe Douglas's young career, right? As a GM, this is his only second season he's got to work the draft and free agency. Um, free agency, as we know, we can now see he's not going to bank, burst the bank. He's not going to set the market, John, unless it's a key position like a Definitely defensive end. Not going to set the market. <laughs> not going to set the market unless like it's a Carl Lawson where you need a defensive end. And he said, you know what? From the draft that we're looking at and the position that we're in, I think we have to go for this guy right now rather than wait for the draft because there's no one that I really see that is worth drafting with the capital that we have. And I want to use that capital in creative ways, like moving up to get a Vera Tucker. You know what I mean? That's the type of stuff that you're starting to see from Douglas. And he wants to build through the draft. He's mentioned that. He preaches that. It's just oozing from his body. You could just sense it. And if you can't get that now, I don't know what to tell you. So, and when you watch how he maneuvered the draft and how he attacked it, right? Just getting all these offensive weapons for Wilson, whether it's through free agency, whether it is getting Corey Davis. Okay. He got Denzel Mims. He got him last year for Sam Darnold. Obviously he didn't play much, but he's still here and he's still a talent to use for a quarterback, whether or not you were going to see something in Darnold or not. You clearly saw Douglas had the vision to go in on offense. So that's why I'm saying I, I like his draft style. I'm happy with Mims. I'm happy with uh, with Makai Becton. I'm happy with all this. I, I'm still, you know, Elijah Moore. I, it's it's easy for me to get hyped about a skilled position. The more I, uh, I, I do more research and the more I read about it, than it is for a quarterback. I am still cautiously yeah. optimistic about Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to be ho hum saying this is our guy. <laughs> I will. I need to see the quarterback do that. Yeah, yeah. But when it comes I, to a wide receiver, who you could say on film, say, "Oh, whoa, a." It's like when we I saw Jerry. He's Judy. impressive. Like, He's impressive yeah, on film. It's hard not. To, saw, it's hard not to say wow when you watch him. 
Let me ask you this. When we saw Jerry Judy last year and we both said, yo, we like Jerry Judy. Didn't you see in college saying, wow, this kid has a diverse route tree. Hey, we see that this kid will be successful. And he goes to Denver, regardless of the quarterback play, he's been successful out in Denver, right? Yeah. Some players you could just tell. And Elijah Moore is one of those guys. I agree with you. But I'm just going to piggyback a little bit on what you said about Jameson Crowder. I do think he's going to stay. I know that $10 million looks enticing. And maybe you can split that money for Apulio and Sherman. And maybe that is a route. And I would say that's plan B. Right? You cut Crowder. We've got $1 million dead cap. You save about $10 mil. You split that $10 mil for Apulio, for Nickel, and for Sherman as a veteran corner. Teach a bunch of guys, which we'll get into. Uh, happen in the late rounds to join our squad. That's one option. Or the other option is keep Crowder there and have him teach Elijah Moore how to play slot corner. I mean, slot receiver in the NFL. And I think that this puts Berrios on the hot seat, to be honest with you. Um, I think yeah, he's the most. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he's the one most likely to go. I think Agent Smiths are kind of now looking up. Dotson, you know, they're, those those are the kind of guys that are kind of on the hot seat now. Way more than Crowder, in my opinion, because he's kind of still young. I know we think we he feels like he's 45 because he played with, with uh, Washington. And now he's with our team, and we feel like he doesn't play, and he's always injured, but he's never injured. I don't know what it is about Crowder because we just expect him to be good. But he's so consistent. He's so good. We kind of want him in the room. We want him to teach Mims. We want him in there with Corey Davis. We want him in there with Elijah Moore. We wanted them with Cager, who I still really like. And, you know, maybe one of the Smiths pan out, especially Vincent, right? He's He's been the guy that's on top of the list. I'm, I'm excited about it. And, you know, let's keep going through the draft. And, you know, your boy that you really wanted to bring up. Oh, man. And, and I, I, I'm, and it, it was, it was, it was really hard watching day two, watching all our guys go. And we kind of mentioned it. Uh, with Surratt, we had Wyatt Davis go to both of those guys to the Vikings. The Vikings kind of had our draft. The Panthers was drafting a bunch of guys that we liked. It was tough, man. It was tough watching players go kind of comparable to, you know, we were watching the Knicks Memphis Grizzlies just now. Desmond Bain going off. We're like, oh, we were, we were scouting Desmond Bain, you know, you know, Alex and I all off season, but I digress. I digress. And it, it, it kind of happened with Michael Carter. So we're sitting at the top of round two. Everybody's talking about JOK, the linebacker from Notre Dame, and how the Jets should get him. But another guy was Javante Williams, the running back. Like you said, everyone was talking, we should get the running back. We should get the running back. But no one was looking at the other running back from UNC, and that's Michael Carter. I'm going to say right off the bat, it's probably because he's 5'8". Right? And again, apparently Salah... And Joe Douglas do not care about height and actually and neither, do watch the film. And neither should for any of our listeners. And let me say this right now. We just run through some names at the wide receiver position and running back position that, you know, are short. And I'm not saying they're going to be these players, but just saying that you could be successful. All right. Antonio Brown, Manuel Sanders. All right. Those are two guys that come off to the top of my dome for wide receivers. More so Emmanuel Sanders, who isn't like your highest of high end wide receivers, but he's effective enough, especially from the slot position. And I, I just like his game, man. I don't know. Height doesn't matter, especially for the wide, wide receiver position. If you can get open, you can get open. Does not matter. All right. 
running back, you want to talk like most running backs should be under six feet tall. They usually are. It's very common, actually. Go look at most of the running backs. Go look at Alvin Kamara. Go look at Mark Ingram. All right. What? 5'10, 5'11 guys. Ray Rice back in the day. Well, even Frank Gore. Frank Gore. Most of these guys are small. And you honestly, the running back should be small because make it harder for the guys to tackle. You know how hard it is to tackle a short dude? Yeah, well, it's not even that. It's it's not. He's not even like those elusive Darren Sproles type. He's he's actually a short dude who lowers his shoulder, and he actually runs pretty big. Like he runs like Frank Gore, actually, or maybe even like Devin Singletary. I like that. Look, man, I like that. Yeah, he's a beast, dude. And and I like that. And when you and when you look when you look at when you start breaking down his actual stats, they're actually crazy. Carries a fifteen plus yards, number one. Team run block grade wasn't that great, right? That's that that's that's where he really lacks in the blocking game, and that's okay. You know what I mean? It, it's really okay, and it's okay to acknowledge it, and maybe he'll he'll be able to work on it. But no one can tackle him. Yards after contact sixth. He and Najee Harris were the only running backs to be inside the top ten in both rushing. And receiving this year. His numbers speak for themselves. He's an absolute beast. He's too fast for the linebackers to really be able to guard him. And so he really is what you would, I guess, imagine Tevin Coleman in, in, to be in his, you know, best day, you know, what he could have thrived to be. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, and we have Tevin Coleman. I, we, we really built the, the Freeman Coleman. One, two, I believe, with Michael Carter and Tevin Coleman hanging out right behind him. I, I, I really, really like those two. He likes to run to the left, which I think is super interesting now that we got Elijah Vera Tucker and Beckton on the left. I think Michael Carter in the fourth round is a great pick. Another pick that Salah and Joe Douglas really mentioned that they were kind of nervous that he wasn't going to drop to them. There's no, they thought that Elijah Moore was gone as soon as they traded out. And they saw, and they thought that Michael Carter was gone as soon as they traded out. They yeah. they 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 didn't believe any of those, both of those things were happening. So I'm re- I am really excited about Michael Carter. He has a 63 percent win rate against linebackers and safeties. Just I mean he, he's just he's an all around solid solid football player for sure. And you heard it through you know first of all shout out to Jet Social for. Stepping up their game. My goodness. Um, but you just heard that Joe Douglas, Robert Salah thought that it was really long rounds and that neither, neither one of those guys would be there. Right. And I like the aggressive brute nature of Michael Carter when it comes to running lower the shoulder, try to run through the guy. You know, he can cut. He can juke. I like those type of things. He looks to run through the hole, but he can also be a little creative when he needs to be. This is the stuff that we're going to need out of the running game that, quite frankly, we were lacking last season. We we all we all hated it when we saw Frank Gore just trot out there and so like, come on, guys, why don't we just use, I don't know, Adams, Ty Johnson, for goodness gracious, Pirine. I mean, we drafted him. In the fourth. So why not? Um, 
I'm just excited, man, for, for Michael Carter. I'm, I'm really excited to watch what we can do. And this is where the investment makes sense for a running back. You don't go over the top for running back unless you think they're that last piece away. And we're not that team to think we're a last piece away to take a running back in the first or second round. And even if you start to look at the draft histories, running backs aren't getting drafted in the first round that much anymore because teams are starting to realize they have a short shelf life and, you know, are they actually worth paying all that money even as a rookie? Never know. Um, Regardless, what we should also realize too is that Michael Carter will be one of these He'll be part of a committee, which is what they like to do out in San Fran. Yeah. Which is what, you know, I think this looks we're bad getting for over here. Speaking of committee, I think out of all people, we talked about Berrios in the front for Elijah Moore. We talked, we didn't mention it before, but Alex Lewis probably on the move now with Elijah Vera Tucker. Yep. You know, taking that spot. And I think that this move kind of puts. P. Ryan on the hot seat, even though he was a Joe Douglas pick, but he wasn't a little floor pick. And now that the scheme changes, I think that P. Ryan might be kind of the odd man now, especially with Coleman there. Ty Johnson was looking okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would agree with that. Also, P. Ryan is very, he's a cheap contract. You're not invested too highly invested in him. Well, it's you annoying because we drafted him last year. Yeah, you could keep him. But I also didn't see any of the skill set traits that you would say P. Ryan fits the floor, which is essentially the, that Shanahan system, right? The, Even the problem if, is it was Adam Gase, dude. Like, how how much can we blame him? You know what I'm trying to say? That that's that's his that's the only give. You know, you have to, I guess, allow to him. Yeah, but even when you watch P. Ryan, right, he didn't give you anything flashy in his rookie season, and who knows, he could take that that step next season and show you something. But, but when you watch P. Ryan, he didn't necessarily hit the hole as hard as you wanted to. He wasn't an outside runner that you were expecting. He was kind of just an average back from what we saw. He had some good cuts here or there, had a nice touchdown run where he had a good juke, good read on the hole. But overall, he didn't really give you anything when you watch him saying, hey, this guy you know, really has something. He showed you something where it's like, okay, he could have a backup career right now. Not a starting, not a starter, you know, but yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. And the thing is, let's think, let's, let's think about Shanahan and let's think about the LaFour system, right? Let's look at Raheem Mostert. Let's look at Tevin Coleman. Let's look at those guys in that system, right? Guys who are burners who can get to the outside. Those two guys alone, burners, shifty. P. Ryan isn't that, okay? If we're thinking about Frank Gore, right, a guy who could pound it, lower his shoulder, really embrace contact, and get a little bit more yards after the contact, that isn't P. Ryan either. That, that's what Michael Carter can give you. That isn't what P. Ryan can give you. So, you know, cut bait, trade him. He could be used as a trade filler or something, maybe. Before the season starts, you don't know, but I I agree with you in your assessment. I don't think he's here to stay. Yeah, he can't be. He can't. I, I mean, somebody has to go. I don't know who it's gonna be. It looks like P Ryan. It sucks. I was I was 
you know, I was slightly optimistic about him because I liked him in uh, in Florida. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited about Michael Carter. I don't care that he's small. I don't think I don't care that Elijah Moore is small. And that was how the first four rounds went. And you were kind of you kind of had to be wondering, what are we doing? What are we doing drafting wide receivers and running backs? I know it's cool. I know we want to surround Zach Wilson with offensive power, but at what point are we overcorrecting for our you know for our past transgressions? So here comes the fifth round. The fifth round and According to Joe Douglas, that's not a premium pick. For him, it's rounds one to three. So we're in the fifth round. And what's kind of weird, you mentioned it at the top, was it was a very linear draft where the first couple of picks, first four picks to be exact, were offensive players, and then the rest were straight defense. But the first pick was addressing a, a hole that, Alex, I've been screaming at the top of my lungs for which I I guess gives me that validation, makes me a little bit excited that we're, we know what the hell we're watching, Alex, because we drafted the guard because we were dying watching the guard position, and now we're drafting someone to guard the tight end because Jamie and Sherwood, the strong safety slash will linebacker from Auburn, took... 28% snaps at inside linebacker, 27.5% at free safety, slot corner, 20%, strong safety, 16%, outside linebacker, 6%, and then 1% outside corner in 2020. So the guy plays all over the field. The Jets were the only team last year to give up four-digit yards to the tight ends, approximately 1,100 solid 14 touchdowns to tight ends last year. I mean, it was a serious problem. And it was interesting when you kind of think about Joe Douglas and his philosophy. We, we're kind of pinning it down because now that we, we know it's not a premium position, he kind of got his guys at the premium position. He couldn't believe that Michael Carter fell to him in the fourth round and neither could Salah. So that means that they kind of graded him in the third round for a premium spot, so it doesn't really count. you know. And he also was, again, Michael Carter, 89 on the top 100 for the PFF big board. It means something. You know what I mean? You can't just throw that out. So when we jump to Sherwood, we're, we're, we're going to kind of start throwing darts at the board. And for the first one, Sherwood, I kind of like it. And then we, we, we the next guy, we start trading down. From uh, with the Chiefs, they ended up getting a fifth rounder that from the trade down and a six, and we got a fifth and a six. We just like kind of moved up in the six and moved down in the fifth. They got actually Trey Smith, which I thought was interesting because now it's gonna haunt me forever. <laughs> the Chiefs got Trey Smith with that pick, the Tennessee guard who fell tremendously because of blood clots and injury history, and so that was one of our. So we got Michael Carter, another cornerback. MC squared. <laughs> MC squared, a team captain. I mean, we just started we just started throwing darts at these guys. So do you have any thoughts before I start jumping around? Do you have any thoughts on on, on Sherwood? I mean, I, don't, I I was I wanted to go in order, 
But it really it's makes hard, sense. It's, it's hard it really to go, makes sense to pin Sherwood and Hamza from uh, Florida State, the linebacker yeah. together, who was another linebacker safety, because those two are the two players that you're really kind of throwing darts in to be the tight end running back coverage. And right. I mean Hamza Hamza is in the sixth round and he's he's a guy that could really pop, man. He could be our Bryce Hall because he was an injury guy and he absolutely killed it otherwise. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you pointed those two out because those are, you know, there's ways to read how the team values some of these picks. Look at the ones who they create that, you know, on Twitter, right? That social, right? And this is where I'm going to just go outside just looking at the draft. Look at who they created images for and really showed, like, who these guys valued, right? Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Jamie and Sherwood. You just heard so I call and Joe Douglas say he's a dog. Dog, man. They called him a dog the way that he that he plays on the field. He he's like a bloodhound. He's ready to hit. He's ready to lay the wood. You know what I mean? They talked the same. They they were hyped for Hamsa, right? And you saw by the social media, like what they did and showing those type of cuts. So you, we already know how these guys feel about these guys. Now, I like Sherwood. I don't know much about Sherwood. I'm going to be honest with you. But from what I saw, the little bit that I saw about him and the little that I've done, like researched about him, I think he'll be good for us, especially with the safety need that we have right now. There's, there's clearly some insurance with, it's weird how the safety position has now turned out from having two really good safeties to now having, you know, we have Ashton Davis who was drafted last year. You have Marcus May, who's a, uh, who was tagged for this season, who, you know, Joe Douglas extension. is who, better get an extension. Yeah. Who we're, we're, you know, we hope he gets an extension, but we're not really sure on what Joe Douglas is thinking is the, te- is, is the money value for him to get an extension right now. We get Jamie and Sherwood. Who's another safety? So we have three safeties now. Three safeties. Honestly, I think that Joiner, Lamarcus Joiner, would be our third safety, and Sherwood is more. Honestly, he's more going to be the will linebacker. I really don't think he's going to line up at safety. I think Hamza more likely to line up at safety again. We're we're going to find out more as as time plays on. But I really don't think these two players are here to play safety, man. I really think they're here to play will linebacker. We'll see, man. We'll see. But just I'm just saying, based on their positions alone, we don't know yet. But I'm just saying, keep a keep a lookout for how Joe Douglas is managing the safety position. I like what I saw from Jamin Sherwood. He looks very aggressive. He looks like he's ready to get to the line and it does not matter. He he loves looking for contact. He loves to hear the clacks of the pads. So I like what I see. Same thing with Hamsa. He looks like he's ready to hit too. So these guys, like I said, I'm I'm gonna do more research. You know, I could have hopefully have more on them in the next pod or so when we really break it down further about these guys. But I like yeah. what I, I like I like I like the direction, man. Because as we <laughs> we don't need to see another Darren Waller 200 yard game yeah, on us. We don't tough. need that. We don't tough, need dude. that. You can't you can't be a sif to. A sieve. I mean, you can't be a sieve to tight ends. We're just getting blown. We're gonna have, 
be blown open every single time. Okay. We can't have the Buffalo Bills. We can't have, uh, Knox out here looking mm-hmm. like he's Jeremy Shockey. Okay. Like, my goodness. Yeah. I, 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 one of the cool things about Hamza is he's gonna, he's definitely going to make an impact on the special teams. I think he played, played more than like 500 snaps in the special teams as a three year starter out in FSU. So he, I mean, he's really good. I actually did watch some tape on Hamza after the pick just to see what's going on there. Cause I'm, you know, again, I'm just really excited about that position. For me, it's been premium. So I, I care about it. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's huge, dude. He's like 6'3, 6'4, 215 slash 220. I know we're talking about how height doesn't matter. He's huge. As a will linebacker, he, he he's pretty good and he's a hell of a tackler. His stats show for that, but also when you watch him make a tackle, like first of all, nobody gets past him, which is fantastic. And just for these two guys, last note. Uh, during the draft calls and uh, during the interviews, Salah was going off about how some of these guys, the defensive guys, don't know how good they are. I think he was talking about them too, to be honest with you. like they just, they just don't know how good they are. And I think that being in a system will help them. And that kind of jumps me to the three cornerbacks that we got. So we got, again, Michael Carter, from Duke, who has that really funny play. You mentioned it. Michael Carter from UNC. Of course, during the ACC, he played Duke. He trucked him, dude. He literally trucked him on his way to the end zone. So that was kind of funny. Um, we have him. He, he was he was a ACC all-academic team three times, team captain. He's also going to contribute on the special teams. Michael Carter, that is. So that would be good. He, he, he's, he's a fast, fast, fast runner. I think Joe Douglas has a type when it comes to slot corners. First, we got Javelin Goodry and now we have Michael Carter running a four, three, two, 40. I mean, he's got a type there. The only guy I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm really not a huge fan of is the Pinnock move from Pitt. I feel like we're going to kind of change his position. So Michael Carter is going to be, I think, competing with Goodry for the backup. And hopefully we sign Puglio to start <laughs> to be the, the, the slot nickel. I, I, that's kind of how I imagine it. And I don't really know what Pinock, Pinock is going to kind of be playing for the, for the CB2 along with, uh, Brandon Eccles or another six round pick from Kentucky. Both kind of like outside corners. They play man coverage, but we don't. I mean, we're not going to be playing man coverage. So we'll see how it goes. Eccles also was a speedy guy, ran a 4 3 5 40 at Kentucky, which again, everything's fake this year. <laughs> so who knows? But that, that, that's kind of how, uh, how, how the, the defense DBs went there. Yeah, I mean, it's the cornerback decisions we were talking about last season, John. Please do not. I just get so infuriated when I think of Pierre Desir on this. Oh, he's gone, team. man. He's gone. Don't worry. Don't worry. Oh my god. So yeah, so oh basically now we but got no, Eccles, Eccles and uh, Eccles and Pinnock kind of fighting with Bless Austin and Bryce Hall for the CB two three. 
Yeah. I mean, the thing is that we are not, you know, yes. You know, you love to say that they're, they're still young. The guys that we have between, uh, you know, between like bless Austin, Bryce Hall, they're still young. They're still developing, but we're not, we're never been solidified there. That was, it's still an area on the defense that we're weak. You know, Joe Douglas is looking to address the tight end running back coverage with Sherwood and uh, with Hamsa, right? Hamsa. Um, so we get that. We get those picks, right? And for the most part, our D line sure up. Most our interior line, our linebackers to stop the run game sure up. He's looking to stop the tight end and the running backs in pass. You address those safeties. We're about, we'll see what's going to happen with the safeties. As of right now, it's fine. Cornerbacks. We're looking for, we're looking for guys who can help, man. We're looking for speed, we're looking for guys who can cover very well, who can tackle pretty well. So I think with these picks, it's just seeing what can we get from the fifth round. I don't think Joe Douglas is looking necessarily saying, Hey, these are going to be home run hitters. But if we can at least hit one of the three, that they could be serviceable, especially at CB2. Hey, we then it's a win because we're still looking with the guys that we have on the team, and we'll see. You know, he's probably saying we'll see what they come back with this season. These guys, the fifth rounders, it's it's you know, I hate to say it, but it's chump change for football teams because it's fifth rounders. It's not a lot of money you're investing in to these guys. Sometimes these guys they get signed, but they're not there the entire time. They get cut for other. Fifth rounders, sixth rounders, whatever coming in the following season, you know, Joe Douglas is doing his evaluation and trying to see who we're getting, uh, at these positions, just trying to shore things up. That's, that's all I could say for these positions. So I'm not with the cornerbacks with MC squared, Pinnock, Eccles. They don't really move the needle for me. They look like they played, you know, they look good in college. How cornerbacks transfer to the NFL, it's another, we'll see. You know, it's very hard to evaluate cornerbacks in college just because college football is just so much more offense than it is defense and schemes in in college unless you're playing, well, not even unless you're playing for Alabama because we drafted Alabama guys and they haven't necessarily turned out to be good. You know, so whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, I've been, I've, I've been trying to let you finish because I disagree with you so much, and now you're talking, now you're giving me some Alabama slander when we got Q Will hanging out on that D line. No, no, defensive backs, defensive oh, backs, defensive backs. backs. Oh, okay, defensive backs. No. Jeez. no, no, defensive backs. Like defensive backs are just so, what I'm saying is defensive backs are such a. It's there's such a there. I feel Fitter like they're. There's so, there's such a dart throw, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I agree. Like amateur and, and, and I'm glad. And that's, and that's, I'm glad that's that my thing with strategy. Them. Yeah, and that's how I'm feeling about Pinnock, MC squared, Eccles. That's one thing. I think it's just Douglas just trying to figure out. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, not saying that Alabama doesn't develop good t- like talent cornerbacks. You know, we've been there. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. You're just thinking about D Milner. That's fair. Yes. But anyway, yeah, I know. I feel you. He just won't let it out. Just let it out, man. Just let it out. Um, but I don't like your I don't like your attitude about the fifth and sixth round picks. I mean, last year we had Bryce Hall in the fifth round. He's pretty solid. I, I also I think he's I think he's locked up our CB two. I think everyone's fighting, you know, 
to be the, the CB3, honestly. Do you think he's locked up? I'm going to push back over here. Do you think I really he's like, I really like Bryce Hall. And, of course, our sixth round was Braden Mann, who, of course, is my boy. So, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and as we know, Joe Douglas is trying to take over the world with six-round picks, man. Not only, not only did he use two this year, but he has three next year. Uh, uh, three this year and three next year. So, I mean, he, the guy, the guy loves his six round picks. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how they end up. The last one that we didn't talk about was Jonathan Marshall, the DT slash defensive end from Arkansas, 170 on the PFF big board. He's going to be a rotation guy. Uh, hopefully he pans out, but he's just going to be like, you know, learning behind like Foley and, uh, I, I like it. I think that's a nice six round pick, especially, uh, He's been kind of touted as like a sneaky, sneaky steal, but it's really cool to be able to learn from a non-erratic general manager. We kind of see that he has his type with the captains and the academics. We see how he's approaching top players on the draft board. He'll trade up for those. He'll wait a little bit to see if other guys could drop. He likes his sixth-round picks, and what's really interesting is that he doesn't ever have seventh-round picks. And you ask yourself why. So far, every year after the draft, he has his press conference, and then right after that, the undrafted free agents start. So I'm wondering if he if he does that on purpose because during that time of the presser, it kind of takes that time away. I, I don't know. When I was watching draft coverage, they were kind of saying that Teams without seventh round picks could kind of start their undrafted free agent, you know, search earlier. I'm kind of wondering if that's a strategy because next year's the same idea. He hates seventh round picks and he loves sixth round picks. It's kind of interesting. And we always hit the ground running in the undrafted free agents. So, do you have any uh, last thoughts on the draft? I mean, there's no, the only really fun undrafted free agents, from, in my opinion, we got the kicker from SMU. Finally, we addressed that in um, Chris Nugar. Yes, that's his name. Pronounce it right. You crazy people. He even tweeted about it. Uh, we got um, Kenny Yaboa, the tight end from Ole Miss. That should be interesting. Uh, hanging out back with Elijah Moore. I, I think the most interesting guy, and we had him pinned, Alex. Um, I, I, I kind of buried the lead here. For sure. Because we had this with our man, Brandon Hatch, from the BYU coverage, ESPN, Utah, and uh, BYU Cougars locked on. We got Tristan Hodge. Tackle from BYU. But he's a right guard, dude. He's a right tackle, but he's going to be a right guard. I, I, I imagine that works out. That would be really awesome. A nice undrafted free agent right guard. That would be... That'd be pretty money. We got a couple other ones too. Uh, Grant Hermans, Parker Ferguson, just some, you know, hopefully they make it through the rookie camp and find something to do there. But Tristan Hodge, somebody keep an eye on. I don't really have any other regards for undrafted, uh, guys in all honesty, but I do, I, I just do want to touch on your, your cornerback because you think Bryce Hall is a, is a good, to I still am not, you know, I guess you're just higher on Bryce Hall than I am. I like the guys. I don't necessarily think we've found anyone yet. I think just Joe Douglas, like I said again, I think this is just 
hey, let's find, let's see if we can find somebody. And maybe, I don't know, maybe he was like, there is a good cornerback that the New York Jets had from Pitt back in the day. Why not go back to the well? Honestly, there might have been that might have been the idea. That was like the of course, that's what the media ran with right away. I mean, Pinnock is fine. I I, I hope he I hope he pans out. I, I, I think it's fine to throw a dart at the at the board for an outside cornerback in Eccles and and him and Pinnock, and then you gave Michael Carter to the slot corner, you know, room. I think that's fine, dude. I think add those three guys in and then you add you know, Hamza as a linebacker, you add Sherwood as the linebacker, and maybe he could hang out in the safety room if you really want him to. Or maybe, I don't know how they, you know, maybe they have the will linebackers and the safeties together. With I don't know how they, you know, how they do the rooms, but the, it's a really, for me, you know, just to wrap it up, it was a solid draft. I love that he started with 10, moved around for the players he wanted, kind of stayed put and let things happen. There was a rumor that we wanted Evan McPherson, which, ah, oh, man, McPherson is going to be so good. You know, uh, I'm I'm happy with how it went, and I'm happy for how we set up next year. Next year, we have two first-round picks thanks to Jamal Adams. We have two second-round picks thanks to Sam Darnold. We have a third-round pick. We have a fourth-round pick. We have two fifth-round picks thanks to Avery Williamson. And, of course, we have three sixth-round picks Thanks to the Jordan Willis trade and Stephen McClendon. So shout out to Joe Douglas, man. Shout out to Joe Douglas. Yeah, shout out to Joe Douglas. Keep faith in the man. This is a Joe Douglas stand podcast, as you always like to say. So all I say is I like the draft too. I like the way that it was focused. Let me just, I, really uh, like, I, really, I, I just really, I really like uh, before. Sorry, sorry, but I really just want to say I really like that we focus on offense because it's been so long since we've just been a defensive-oriented team. That it's actually nice that we finally have someone who not only appreciates the offense but is rebuilding the O line in particular. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, so Alex, just to wrap up the Jets aspect of this podcast what overall grade i know i hate doing the grades too but what overall grade would you give the jets or you know you can give it a number whatever you want scale one to ten give it a grade whatever makes you happy what do you how do you feel about this draft i'd give it a minus okay i give it a minus just because i get the defensive aspect of it mm-hmm. right i don't think we need any more wide receivers i don't think we need any more running backs I do wish we would have taken another lineman. Okay. I do yeah, that, wish that. that, that that's not, why I was trying to mention that we got a couple in the undrafted spot. But yeah, I, I feel you there. I, I wish we would have gone that way. I'm not too hell-bent about it. And the other thing I would have said is that I wish we actually drafted a linebacker too. Maybe not go so, so much on cornerbacks. Maybe we could have just taken one linebacker. Yeah. Like a, like a Mike? Yeah. Something okay. like that. Okay. That's it. That's really it. But overall, it was a really good draft. I'm not, there's not a lot of complaints. Those are the only, probably like my only two things. But let's see how Joe Douglas attacks uh, the undrafted market. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to go with a B plus. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for how he managed to get Vera Tucker. I'm happy that Elijah Moore stayed there and he stayed put and got him. I'm happy he didn't trade down. 
or into the third round, and we kind of got Michael Carter and then just attacked, you know, a bunch of players that he thinks could fit the defense after that. I mean, it's all fine. I still honestly don't love the fact that we traded Sam Darnold for <laughs> Zach Wilson. So I'm, I can't really give this draft an A. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of see how it works out, being quite honest. So it's really going to depend on, on Mr. Mr. Zach Wilson. I'm excited that he loves film, man. I'm, I really am excited about him. I, like nothing to do with Darnold, nothing to do with the Panthers and how affected I love their draft. <laughs> I, I am excited about Zach Wilson, but this draft is a B plus until we see what happens. Totally understandable. Totally understandable. But John, on that note, let's go to et cetera. Yeah, man. Let's go to et cetera. All right, everybody, and we're back with the et cetera portion of the Nits, Jets, et cetera podcast. And today we'll be talking about the rest of the league's NFL draft, man, because as exciting as it was for the New York Jets and to see how our future is going to pan out, it's really exciting to watch where players that we scouted, where they end up, and also to see what other teams are doing and kind of evaluate how they go about the draft. And, man, there was some... Talk about interdivision rivalry things happening, man. The NFC East never fails to get into the spotlight, dude. Never fails. Never fails, dude. As Devontae Smith was dropping, and everybody knew that the Giants wanted Devontae Smith. Which so bad that everybody knew that. Come on, Gettleman, get it together. But because everybody knew that, the Cowboys made honestly the slickest move. For me, I thought it was genius. The fact that they were able to screw over the Giants by letting the Eagles <laughs> jump them and take their pick. So the Cowboys screwed one team, took draft assets from another team, and we're still able to get the guy that they wanted the whole time, which was Mika Parsons, a linebacker, Mike linebacker, as you want one for the Jets, but we're, it's not going to be him. Um, had an absolute monster of a year right after Sean Lee retired. I mean, I thought that move was super savvy by the Cowboys. So th- that was money. And then we have on the other side, Gettleman with the Giants, who is being killed all year. His whole life for never trading down, never trading down. And then he just became the king of trading down this off, this NFL draft. That division just never, never fails to keep in the spotlight. Oh yeah. That's after, uh, Dallas Cowboys were going to trade up for Kyle Pitts, right? Everything is nonsense when it comes to the NFC East. Dude, it's ridiculous. I think the one thing I cannot get over is that the Cowboys and the Eagles actually traded with each other. It's so rare to see. A division rival trade with each other, but the joke is, is that they knew. I feel like they knew the the Giants were looking at a wide receiver, and not just any wide receiver. They're looking at Devonta Smith. Let's just let's just call it what it is, right? How how slick? How slick do you have to be that you're the Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles? Cowboys are like, yo, we're set a wide receiver. We don't need Devonta Smith. Why even waste it? You know who does need a wide receiver? 
our divisional rival Philadelphia Eagles, who probably won't be good this year because they're going to have, even though he's not a rookie, second-year quarterback. He's not ready to make that jump, but, hey, he needs some weapons. Let's help these guys out because you know who is, who, who may compete with us, the New York Giants. You know, we don't know which direction Danny, Danny Dimes is going to go, but they do have a lot of wide receiver weapons right now. They got, you know, we, we, they, they just, they have Darius Slayton. They got Sterling Shepard. They got Evan Ingram. They just got the newly acquired, my guy, Kenny Galladay, Mr. Smooth Routes, uh, over there. So the offense is looking pretty good. They got Saquon Barkley too. Giants got some offensive weapons. So to see the Cowboys trade with the Philadelphia Eagles say, you know what, Philly? We don't want Devonta Smith. You could take him because we don't want to see the New York Giants. We know, we absolutely know David Gettleman wants to get Devonta Smith. We ain't going to let that happen. Here you go. You could take him. We don't, we don't, we're not worried about you this season. You could take him. Dude, how? <laughs> this is... This is like Hallmark television, dude. This is legit drama that we're watching unfold before our very eyes. And yes, David Gettleman got ripped for a while, for allowing this to happen. I find it. I don't. I, 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 I love. I absolutely love the Giants in this draft. I'm. I think they did a pretty good job drafting overall. I'm not even laughing at it, but you know the thing is that. They got killed for taking Kadarius Tooney, and there are other. I just can't believe. I just can't believe they took him over Bateman. Makes no sense. Exactly. Like you could have taken Bateman, and it's like okay, fine. We didn't get Devon. We didn't get Devon Smith, and we knew that was the prize possession right there, right there for the taking. Literally, pick away. That was, that was weird. That was weird, but they but they happen. got but, they got Ozilari from Georgia, which was nasty, and they got Aaron Robinson in the third round from UCF. That was a really good pick, and they accumulated for next year. They got like what two consecutive picks in the first they round, third round, and fifth it round. Was a good. The, the the trade down was good by David Gettleman. Anyone who's slandering him for making that move, you're I don't come on. What to be? Let's be fair. Like he made a really good move. He got more capital for the team. And the Giants are now set to go in another direction. They took care of their defense, which was weak. I think the one thing they should have done was take care of their offensive line. They're saying they're okay with their offensive line. I don't buy it. I don't think they're that good. I don't, your concern, the concern is that Danny Jones is a turnover machine. And really, you're not going to shore up the offensive line. Like he was just getting attacked. From all every direction. So just 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 baffled they didn't go in that direction. I thought they would have at least taken at least one offensive lineman. But they have capital to address that next season and even to move on from Danny Dimes if he's not turning out to anything. You know, this is gonna be that year to see what he if he could take it to the next level. Oh yeah. Danny turnovers, you're absolutely right about it. this is Danny Turnovers' last year, the Giants, and they set themselves up perfectly. They they they're gonna get any quarterback they want next year, whether it's a trade, whether that's through the draft. They have all the draft capital. They're ready to go, and they've built everything. They're building everything else around it. I mean, 
Saquon will be gone. DJ will be gone. They're gonna they're gonna completely revamp next year. Of DJ falls on his face. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah, uh, we're, he's a we're both re- yeah, we're both reading it, so you know, still think he was drafted a little too high that season when they took him. Oh um, yeah, but I think he has a talent. He just legit has to not drop the ball. Yeah, legit. he loves the fumble. He loves yeah. the fumble. You know what the joke is? And I have to take this little sidestep. Sam Darnold was considered a turnover machine coming out of college, but he actually worked pretty good and doesn't fumble that much anymore. Interceptions, interceptions. Were, yeah, interceptions. interceptions, but still, he was a fumble machine too in college, but he worked on that. So I just need to put that out there. Yeah. Still love you, Sammy. Still love you, Sammy. Boy. Yeah. Still we look just, out in Carolina. We just miss, we're, almost, we're almost over it. I honestly, my guess right now on officially May 4th uh, is that. We're gonna play the Panthers on like that first doubleheader Monday night. Probably. I have that feeling. Probably. Would Zach not Wilson be- versus Sam Darnold. That just sounds right to me. But speaking that of, that just the- sounds like money, man. That just sounds like money for the NFL. Yeah, but it's gonna be intriguing too. I mean, speaking of the Panthers, they had one of my favorite drafts: J.C. Horn, first mm-hmm. round. Then they got Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU, who I think is one of the best receivers in this draft. They got Brady Christensen from BYU, the tack, the left tackle who we were talking about for a while. He's good. Then they got Chuba Hubbard, who I, I you know, I, I think is top one of the top running backs in this draft. They got him in the fourth. And then they got Deontay Brown from Alabama, the absolute monster right guard in the sixth round. I, I, and then they had a bunch of other picks in between. I don't know how they have so many draft picks, <laughs> but they, uh, they're one of my favorite teams, man. That they're they're doing. Sammy Darnold well out there. Panthers definitely did have a good draft. I agree with you there. I think for me, the one that I was intrigued by was actually the the Chargers, man. Not the LA Ooh, Clippers. I like but the I Chargers. Like, but I like the way the, the Chargers. Clippers. <laughs> not the Clippers. Not that I know they're LAC, but it's not the Clippers. It's the Chargers, everyone. All right. Um I like the way they went with Slater. I like that they're trying mm-hmm. to revamp the offensive line, not fully revamp the offensive line. It's still a good O line, but I like that they're trying to get more protection for their guy, man. Like, yeah. I don't know that that alone. I liked from the get from the get go. Then Asante Samuel, they needed to address the cornerback situation out there, and then they followed it up with Josh Palmer. Man, I mean, yeah. they have weapons. But to add another guy that, you know, that it's just I just like that they're adding weapons around him, around their young QB to actually just make that to make to to make that transition easier. Right. Because Keenan Allen, we don't know how much longer Keenan Allen is. We need I know he's still young. I'm not saying that he's going to retire or anything like that, but still he is injury prone and they're trying to get ready. You have uh, you have Mike Williams out there. You got what is it? Uh, what, what's the tight end's name too? Who is it? Uh, Humphreys? Uh, is no uh, Hunter Henry Hunter. Hunter Henry. Yeah, Hunter. Oh, Henry. No, Hunt, Hunter Henry's on the New England Patriots, my friend. Oh, with Johnny right. Smith, and it's that's why Smith. the Jets need yes. the coverage yes. linebackers. Yes. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Oh, tough Yikes. times out here. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious! I forgot about that. I was actually thinking that they were going with a double tight end set, but it's Trey. That now it makes more sense why they took Trey McKitty. Yeah. 
Oh wow. Yeah, now this now this draft deal looks even it takes it takes a little bit of the shine, but it still keeps the same shine. I still like the draft for the Chargers. Yeah, I I I was I agree with you. The Chargers started off strong and kept it, you know, pretty baseline. And I kind of feel the same way about the Eagles. They started off with Devontae Smith and then they grabbed Landon Dickerson. Then they got Kenneth Gainwell in the fifth round from Memphis, a running back. And it's pretty good. Like they kept it well. They got the edge from Coastal Carolina in the sixth round. He was, he's pretty good. I, 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 I like what they did too. The, the Vikings, as, as we mentioned, uh, they got Surratt and Wyatt Davis. That was pretty nice. Arizona Cardinals, Zavon Collins, who I think might be the best player in this whole draft from Tulsa, from the linebacker. I can't stop talking about him. And his draft call just solidified everything. I was like, yes, that was so good. Uh, they got Rondell Moore, too, from Purdue. He's kind of small, but they have a ton of wide receivers. That should be really fun. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm just really excited about this draft. I, I, I'm excited to see how Rashad Bateman does in, on the Baltimore Ravens. I think Sean Wade stinks. Sorry, Ricey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what's, what's, I just, yeah. No, this draft was. was well, let I me think, ask you. I'm yeah. a, let me ask you. Let me. I, w- I want to know uh, two things, and really, we really, really, really buried the lead. So the Vikings said that the only reason that they traded out was because they wanted Justin Fields. So the reason that we were able to trade up for Vera Tucker with them was because Justin Fields was gone. And speaking of Justin Fields, now he's the starting quarterback to the Chicago Bears, who they traded up for. And then they got Tevin Jenkins' next pick, which is a really nice second round. So how do you feel about Justin Fields, and how do you feel about Trey Lance to San Francisco? The Trey Lance – let me start with Trey Lance because that was a shocker. I thought for sure it would have been Justin Fields. I was really shocked that they took uh, Trey Lance. Looks but, like the Knicks Jets et cetera podcast knows what they're talking about, Alex. You, you – I mean, you like Trey Lance. I had, I mean, I literally called it live on the Atlanta podcast, but I do like Trey Lance, man. He he looks, he's good. He's really good. North Dakota yeah. State, they they play pro offense, like they're good. Yeah, I'm just, it's just a smaller division. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the BYU sample size. You know, unlike BYU who plays, uh, who played a softer schedule, North Dakota, it's. It's not too often, right, that you hear them or you look at them or you watch them. Um, that's why. But, hey, if you like Trey Lance, look, we saw Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz had an MVP caliber type season before he went down, and the Eagles won that Super Bowl that season. And he's coming back. My boy, that, that man is coming back. Yeah. The Colts oh, yeah. are going to look mighty fine with him. Oh, yeah, and they got Quiddy Pay. Mm. They're chilling. Absolutely. But no, like my thing with Trey Lance is that why did you move up to three? Did they, did they actually think he was going to be gone that late or that early? I have no idea. That's the I'm question. Not, I still don't that's understand. the question. That's the, that's the real thing. Cause I didn't expect, tra- this is why trading up to three was so interesting. Unless they thought Zach Wilson would have fallen out, which I don't think they did. It's just so weird, man. Just really all really strange. Oh, nothing was stranger than Alex Leatherwood uh, going round one. Just pick 17 to the Vegas Raiders. That was so weird. No one was going to pick him. 
honestly, whatever the Raiders were going to do was going to be weird to begin with. So I'm just, I mean, throwing, I like this. I really like their second it. round pick, the safety Morag from uh, TCU. He's really good. But what did you think about Justin Fields? I'm happy that he went to Chicago. Yeah, I like, I like that. I like that match. Yeah, I think he's. I think they do well there. I really like that they got. Uh, and Tevin the thing Jenkins is, right after him, that was nice of them. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, he's not going too far from where he played in school, right? Like Ohio and Illinois, they're yeah. not. And they're, they got not, he has a Rob. Yeah, he's going to have Allen Robinson. I want Matt Nagy. I mean, if Matt Nagy for one season can get something <laughs> that much out of Mitch Trubisky, I think he's ah. going to be mighty fine with uh, with Justin Fields. But you know who the low key the winner of this draft was? Who? Nobody's talking about it because honestly, they're boring to talk about at this point. Don't tell me the New England Patriots. No, it's not the New England Patriots. But I do like the one pick I do like that they took was Ronnie Perkins, and obviously, I've been calling Mac Jones since literally January. So that's you've been legitimately calling Mac Jones to the Patriots since since so obvious since the end of time. So obvious. No, you know who low key won this draft. Who? Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. The Kansas City Chiefs got Creed Humphrey, round two, pick 63. They got Trey Smith from Tennessee, round six, two, two, uh, pick 226. So damn late. And then they got the offseason free agency. They, they completely revamped their offensive line. Nick Bolton from Missouri was their uh, first pick in the second round. Pretty good linebacker. They fixed up their only issue, which was their offensive line. I mean, Kansas City, when you're when you have when you have just one hole and you could just attack it, you know what I mean? It must be it must feel really good. Yeah, must. I would love to know what that situation feels like. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there one day. One okay. day we'll get there. But John, that I wraps think that, it up, man. Yeah, I think that wraps it up for the this Jets episode, Jets draft, NFL draft. It was a good draft overall for the New York Jets. Draft was very interesting. I still can't get over the NFC East uh, <laughs> debauchery. It's just, I, yeah, I live for it, man. I tell you, the, the, I, I keep saying it, the NFC East is just a hot mess. Yeah. It's a hot mess. Uh, but shout out to the shout out honestly uh, the I don't know. Did the did do you care about do you care we didn't the only team we he never mentioned is Washington. Did you care do you care about Washington's No. <laughs> did really. you care about Washington's uh draft? I, I I the only player I mean Jameen Davis was was a big uh pick and then I the round seven they got Dax Milnay from BYU. I thought that was funny. But other, otherwise, like they nobody that they chose really uh, float my boat. But the other three teams, Giants, they had a great draft for me, and the trade in for next year, the Eagles, as we mentioned, and the Cowboys, like we talked about. I mean, those teams killed it for me uh, on the draft. What do I know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's fun. I like. Yeah. I really like. I really. I'm, that division is going to be scary in a couple of years. It really is. The NFC East. Yes, I really. They're going to be absolutely. They're going to. They really will be that. Let me. Let me. Let me calm your. Let me. Let me calm your nerves. They will be entertaining. Still, no one. No one will win the division back to back years. It will still be an interesting hot mess. They'll be the NFC beast. Sure, they'll have good teams, but you'll never know who's going to be on on top. 
All right, and shout out to the Packers for being the worst drafters once again. Shout out to the Packers for messing everything up. Actually, we really buried the lead before we went out. Let's stop that for a second. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> My God. Talk about being an organization that is <laughs> on the brink of losing a generational talent and has seriously, seriously underperformed in winning multiple titles with him. They should have won more than one Super Bowl with him. He should have, he should have gone to more than one Super Bowl so far this in his career. Terrible job by the Packers for staying with Mike McCarthy for too long. Terrible job by getting a head coach who he's not even a fan of. He doesn't even like Matt LaFleur. What, what are you doing? Like, what's, <laughs> what are you doing? As in, I don't even want to hear, like, I get the, I, I don't know what's worse. People marking the Jets because uh, we haven't made a quarterback. Isn't it worse to have a quarterback and that is generational and just win one Super Bowl? I guess not. I don't know. I feel like it is. I feel like it's a crime. Like Tom I mean, Brady. No. Won- I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll do anything for one Super Bowl. I'll go into but the thing relegation. Is, dude- but the th- yeah, right. The uh, CFL after after one Super Bowl, I'll, do, I'll take that. I'll say that. Yeah, sure, fine. My thing is this: it's hard to get one, but we've seen guys who have flamed out like like a Joe Flacco, right? That gets one, and it's possible if you don't have that generational quarterback. But we're talking about Aaron Rodgers in the same breath as Peyton Manning, as Tom Brady, Drew Brees. You know, I get these guys also. Drew Brees only has one. But I feel like with at least him, it's understandable because, you know, they've done everything to try to take the team to another level to get him back to the promised land, right? For yeah. for for Green Bay, they haven't done that at all. I mean, like they, after- they they make weird they make weird decisions. It's hard to get free agency. I mean, they tried with Jimmy Graham. They they do weird things. I mean, they did draft Devontae Adams. I I do like that they got Josh Myers in, but they're so dumb for letting go of Corey Lindsley. You know the centers. So like, I don't know. They, they you're you're right. They're I, I can't imagine fumbling, you know, a treasure, and they're so lucky for having Favre and then Rodgers. But clearly there's an issue with the GM. Uh, the news is he wants the GM fired. We'll see how that works. All that Jeopardy stuff, that's all negotiating through the media. As Jets fans, we see it all the time. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, man, they, they look tough. And, you know, the Vikings are going to start making moves with Mike Zimmer. I they had a nice draft, like we mentioned a couple times already. We'll see what happens with Cousins if we could just put something together. But they're going to run the ball with you to with Cook and just play some defense. And the Packers might kind of fall off. You know what I mean? And the Detroit Lions are going to start building, dude. They had the Detroit Lions had a pretty good draft, low key. They got Sewell because the Bengals are inept, and they got uh, Lamar Chase, and then. And I wonder if they put out that picture to show his knee to like get people to think that. Anyway, um, 
like a I like a uh, Amon Ra St. Brown from USC. That's a good pick. Uh, Anuzariki from Washington in the second round. That's nice. I, I like what the Lions are doing. Low key. Question for you. Sorry to cut you off. You're good. You didn't cut me off. Where's Rogers go? Give me a team. Aaron Rodgers goes to the Green Bay Packers for an extension. <laughs> really? You think yeah. he stays in Green Bay? Yeah. I mean, it would be nice for him to go to Denver. I think that would be fun for everybody in the earth. Or if he goes to the Giants. Not really. I don't want him to go to Denver because screw a certain somebody that can't keep the New York Jets out of the house. <laughs> so I don't want to see Denver get anything nice. I would like for him to go to the Giants, honestly. That would be so fun. That would be fun. I yeah. wouldn't even. I would be. I would be one hundred percent for that. They just give them like four first round picks. Who cares? Call give it a day. Next year's two first round picks. Give him Daniel Jones and like a third or some dumb. You know who cares? I like that. If not the Giants, guys, just keep him out of New England. I'll be so pissed. No, he's not going to New England. He would never do that. Um, Get that shit out of my face. If not the Giants, which actually makes sense, who is the team that would do it? Who? What if he goes to Minnesota? That's not happening. All right. All right. Let's just leave it at the Giants then. All right. All right. Let's, let's end it there, John. Let's, yeah, end, let's do it. it. All right, John. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in for another Jets episode for the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Make sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen to this podcast. We are available on all streaming platforms, whether it's Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, you name it, we are there. Also, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Thank you all again for tuning in for another net, uh, another Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast, another Jets episode. Catch us later uh, this week. We'll give you another. We'll give you a Knicks episode. We're sorry. Things came up. We'll give you a next episode and you're going to get another Jets episode this week. All right. We got a good guest coming on this week. All right, everyone. Catch you later. Let's go, Jets. Jets.